Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Three, two, one, and we're back. Julie Harris, how are yes. you? Good. Lots of calls, lots of good Facebook Live premiere coaching mastermind stuff. And the continuing, I feel like, I've been watching too much Muppet Show with Zoe. The continuing saga of the buyer agent abuse. Oh my gosh. <laughs> right? But that's what it's like. They're like all these questions, a lot of it commission based, a lot of it like, um, you know, like, how can my buyer compete when they do this and that and the other thing and they still get beat out because somebody gave the seller an extra 10 grand? On our clubhouse you know, this morning. All that. On our clubhouse this morning. Yeah. I don't know if you were on at the time. We had a gentleman. I forget what market he was in. Um, There's someplace, like, deeply in the Midwest. Now, it was the Missouri person. It was Missouri. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. And it was, like, the northwest part of Missouri. And he said in Normalville, his... Normalville. Really. Normalville. Yeah. He said in his market... It's uh, the buyer agent commissions are noticeably dropping to like 2% and less. And the point being is that those of you in the country who think you're going to just work buyers until the cows come home and the uh, changes to the buyer's agent's commissions that are basically being uh, pushed down by sellers not wanting to pay the buyer agent commission anymore because it's such a hot seller's market. And don't worry, you know, when the market starts to shift back towards being a, a balanced market, which might take three to five years, buyer agent commissions will return. But there's no reason to believe the point being is that if it's affecting some semi-rural part of Missouri, you're not going to experience the sure. same thing in your market, especially if you're in a more uh, a major city. And again, this is not the listing agents screwing you. And I'm tired of hearing that. The listing agents ultimately are uh, just doing what the seller says. And if the listing and there's no reason, there's no legal precedent or no contractual obligation through the MLS or whatnot that the listing agent has to split their commission with you. There isn't. That no, doesn't it's exist. Symptomatic of the market. Right. That's it. That's the way it is. Same, and, same reason builders aren't paying as much. And so we were talking about this in the clubhouse, and everyone's experiencing this. And, and I don't, I don't think a, a single person said that they weren't seeing a reduction in buyer agent commissions. No, and in fact, um, some of this is coming from buyer agents themselves as an act of desperation because what else can you throw at the deal? Well, so point, it's not point, all the listing agent's fault. Well, know? the point being is when you're in a competitive market situation and you're trying to make your offer stand above the others, what Julie's saying is in some markets, the buyer's agents are actually throwing in their uh-huh. commission or a portion of their commission to the deals to make the seller realize they'll net more if they're having to pay the buyer agent less. That's what this market has come to. you know. It is. And so the title of this show and yesterday's as well is Stop the Buyer Agent Abuse. Now, it's kind of a misnomer of a name because ultimately it's the buyer's agents that are signing up for the abuse themselves. It's not like they're involuntarily being abused. And how do I mean that? If you're not learning how to be a listing agent right now, you are absolutely volunteering for the abuse that this market is going to give you. And again, this is just a natural, this is the natural progression of a strong seller's market, which is not going away anytime soon. And again, we drilled on this yesterday. We talked about this on the pod, I'm sorry, on our clubhouse this morning. But there is no reason to believe and stop believing anybody who's telling you that the market is going to crash anytime soon. Um, now, I'm going to summarize something, an experience I had. So a very smart friend of mine this morning sent me a video 
that he thought I should watch. And this video was basically some, you know, very, very well done, but predicting some doom and gloom thing that's going to essentially mirror what happened in the housing crash. Housing's going to crash and then the economy's going to crash and blah, 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 blah. And no one's really paying attention to it. And there's all this, you know, doom and gloom. I mean, literally, they even talked about locusts, okay, for those of you yeah. who get that Bible reference. A little dramatic. A little dramatic. And so uh, this video and similar pieces of content have been flowing around to consumers and then also showing up in the email boxes in the uh, in front of the eyeballs of agents. And so there's this undercurrent, and I see it starting to build, the subculture, if you will, of people who actually believe the real estate market's going to crash without having without knowing or using a single fact. And yeah. so Julie and I wrote out 10 points we're going to present to you guys probably tomorrow. What do you think? Possibly starting tomorrow. Reason okay. to essentially solidify the, um, the, you know, that the market is going to stay strong for a long period of time. We're going to drill down. And Julie, are not, we are not politically motivated. We are not trying to um, you know, persuade you to think um, one way or the other. And a lot of these conversations that people are having are politically motivated. But here's the funny part of this. And I, I thought this was funny. So Kevin sent me this video. And I, I watched the video, and this is similar to emails and other pieces of hype, basically, that I've been seeing over the last probably two months, but it's definitely picking up in intensity. So I watched this video, and it was just a bunch of garbage, bad facts, complete and total, like, clever wording of things to try to obfuscate um, the fact that what they're saying was a lie. But with nice production value, oh, so totally. it would be easy to kind of be drawn in, right. and it looked legit, looked like it was well done and, by a professional. And it came from a source called, like, Economist Trust or something. It had this great name. It was total propaganda. But this is the funny part. So then I clicked on the video. Okay, this is on YouTube. So I clicked on the video, and I went back to the main website where this thing was originally from. And then I all the videos, other videos that they had there were just similar doom and gloomy type things. Real estate was just one of the many things that they're trying to make people paranoid about. And so then I went to the bottom, and I went to the bottom, and the guy's name who actually formed the website was there. Um, I don't remember his name. It doesn't matter. And then I basically figured out who it was. And guess what this guy sells? This guy is in the business, and I'm not criticizing his marketing, right? He, you guys can decide whether it's ethical or not, but he is a prepper selling prepping goods. So his whole- As in doomsday prep. Right, as in like buckets of beans and you know all, masks and all this sort of, sort of thing. So his way of, what he was doing is he was creating fear and discontent and doubt because he's trying to scare people into becoming preppers or at least buying you know the stuff that he has for sale on his website. But look to think think about the complexity of what he's done. So he's trying to create fear that the housing market's going to crash and he's trying to create fear the housing market's going to crash leading to a, a recession, you know, and and again literal uh you know locust swarms are going to form. So you'll buy his stuff. So you'll buy his stuff out of fear and panic. And now that was again a an high class manipulation. That's what it really truly was. But there's so much of that goes on nowadays. And unless you really pay attention to how you're feeling when you're consuming content like that, you're going to be easily manipulated. So if you're reading and watching, if you're just listening to me talk and all of a sudden you start to feel a little bit scared, you are allowing your subconscious mind to basically rule your, your outcome. In other words, you weren't stopping to say or stopping to think, well, this is just hype, right? This video is hype. This garbage I'm reading is hype. And why are they trying to do this? It's because they're trying to sell me something. They're not trying to convey any useful information to me. They're trying to make me fearful so I'll buy their, you know, baked beans or whatever the hell they're selling, you know, and, and shotgun shells, right? That's what they were trying to do. That was their motive. And so you've got to be really, really careful about the information that you allow into your brain because ultimately, and this is what we talked about on the clubhouse for a little bit, if you believe 
that that video was accurate. And you didn't take the time to figure out the motivation of the creator of the video. If you didn't take the time to figure out the guy's just trying to sell you, you know, prepper goods, and you start allowing that, then what's going to happen is that video in your mind is going to start creating fear. You're then going to naturally look for more videos and more information to believe the housing market's going to crash. And then all of a sudden, your whole subconscious mind is focused on that fearful feeling that somehow you know before everyone else the housing market was going to crash. And now what are you going to do? You're just, you're not going to really do anything. You're going to become complacent. You're going to build your walls. You're going to, you know, put a bedding underneath your staircase so you know where to sleep when the locusts finally show up, you know, and the zombies are pounding on your door. So you start going small really, really fast out of fear. That's what happens when you're not controlling the input of information that you have. And that's what happened to my very smart friend because he actually didn't take the time to do the work on the video or didn't take... That's the real coaching right there. Right. And didn't take the time to actually think about how that video was making him feel. And um, look, here's the bottom line. First of all, there is no reason to believe the housing market's going to even correct, let alone crash anytime soon, number one. Number two, even if it were to, which it won't, but even if it were to, again, it won't, then you have no reason to fear because there's equal amount, if not more opportunity in a changing market, let alone a buyer's market, than there is now. You will be able to make money helping people no matter what direction the market goes. So do not fear and do not let these people scare you to living underneath your staircase. Yeah, and I guarantee you that video is all over the agent, you know, Facebook this and, you know, whatever that. And there, because I saw him arguing about it this morning. Sure, of course. You know, because it's, I mean, like I said, good production quality, very compelling. But who bothers to actually follow those breadcrumbs and vet? This is the problem with, you know, a lot of the social media stuff that floats around. You don't really know where it's coming from. You don't know what the underlying it's propaganda. impetus is. But, but here's the other thing I yeah. think is also going to happen. And Trump, frankly, when I started my little research, I didn't think I'd find that the guy was selling prepper goods. Right. I thought I'd find that it's some sort of um, sort of, some sort of political thing. That's what I honestly right. thought. There are so many people out there that are uh, essentially trying to sow seeds of discontent in our country for one, you know, one political means or another. And some of them are foreign operators. And that is the reason, more than ever, you have to have a media-free life. Completely purge yourself of all forms of media. That's the nice thing about podcasts. You can decide to listen or not listen. You can decide who you want to listen to for how long you want to listen to it. Clubhouse, I would say there's definitely some propagandizing that's going on there, but there is some real, really good information that's going on there too. Uh, I would absolutely, positively stop listening to anything or watching anything from any of the cable news outlets. They're complete and total garbage. And actually, I'm going to share this with you, Julie, Mm -hmm. and then we're going to get back to our points about basically how to, you know, if you're going to be a buyer's agent, how you're going to make it through. Um, So have you ever listened to, like, there's a YouTube video playing of some news thing that's on. It doesn't matter whether it's CNN or Fox, but have you ever just listened to it and not watched it? Hmm. Yeah, I think so. Have you, so if you just listen to something, a video, and you're not uh, watching it, and, and you realize just yeah. because it's your ears, yeah. that all of a sudden your your ears are hearing what garbage it is mostly that they're trying to say right. to you. Because but, you're not entertained by right, it. Right. But when you're yeah. watching it, for some reason, you're so it tells me mm-hmm. that in terms of our senses, mm-hmm. your eyes dominate your ears. Yes, and the combination of the two bec- makes things more uh, entertaining to you. Right. So you're listening to, you're watching a new, a channel, a, you know, CNN thing, 
and you're thinking uh, and you're watching it and you're not really listening to what they're saying because your face is picking up on their expressions. You're being sure. distracted by the crawls, the imagery, the dramatic statements and all that. <laughs> but if you turn the video off and all you do is listen to it, you are you realize yeah. because you're no longer being easily manipulated because that is a visual. Uh, they're trying to that's a visual medium. And if you listen to them, you realize how quickly and again, Fox, it doesn't matter how quickly all they're doing is propagandizing well, some particular political ears, viewpoint. You tune into all of the salacious descriptors and the, um, you know, At, just how they're manipulating. Them. Let me finish making my point. Yeah, sure. So when you're listening to podcasts or you're listening to clubhouses, the people you, you are operating on a higher level of intellect and your brain is going to naturally pick out bullshit from non-bullshit. And that's what happens that's right. when you're using your ears and you're not allowing your eyes to manipulate you. And that's a fact. Yeah, I it's, think that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, it is. Um, I was thinking about, you know, like how many people say that the book was better than the movie. Is that because you had only what you were reading taking in through your eyes and you were using your own brain to, to put the story together? And then you see somebody else's take on it. You know, well, look, it's like it all has these different filters. I look think. at people that are in our overall space, right? Mm -hmm. The training coaching space. It mm -hmm. doesn't like, let's just pick with, it just um, doesn't matter. It can sure. be a mindset type person, sure. right? When you hear them on Clubhouse, when they show up, as soon as they walk away from maybe their five or six or 10 really strong talking points or topics, they, they have nothing to say. Yeah. And that's what's really fascinating to me is that the, this audio only format that a lot of social networking is obviously moving towards, uh, spearheaded by Clubhouse, you're going to have the ability to consume uh, the information. You're going to know immediately whether the person is propagandizing something or they're actually listening to somebody that's worth listening to. And that's what I'm excited about because all these people who have been able to manipulate you through video that are trying to basically get you to believe things that aren't necessarily the things you should be following or believing in, social networking, branding, sure. marketing, all this other stuff, you're going to then, when those people are challenged, so explain to me why drop dripping uh, email campaigns or any kind of drip campaign is supposed to be something agents are supposed to employ in their businesses. Just you know, considering the fact that the jury has been in for years, that long-term drip email cam campaigns are one of the most ineffective things you can do. And here are the specific facts pertaining to that. Here are all the people that have studied this inside and outside the industry. Now, you explain to me why an agent should be doing that. You, they melt because they know that they've been peddling bullshit. Well, they melt because they're being forced via Clubhouse to have an actual conversation about it and right. be accountable to what they've been bullet pointing on you. Exactly. That's why I think this evolution is not just because you can hear people talk, but because you can actually hear people having real conversations, yes. which you don't have on a video. Nope. Yeah, I think it's incredible. And and I I mean, I think there's a whole other level of accountability to it, quite frankly. I mean, you can, on every other type of social media, you can post whatever you feel like and you don't have, I mean, maybe somebody will immediately respond. Maybe you're trying to get a response. But it's binary. But it, yes. Okay. Versus having to, in real time, have a real conversation. Thus, the uh, birth of a whole new podcast series we're going to be doing about how to clean up your language and present correctly and have, a, have an actual conversation and listen for content and, you know, not have annoying habits in your speech patterns like the upswing that we talked about. Yeah, yeah. We had, you know, we, so we're, little we're, things like that. We did have we, – we talk about all kinds of random things in the clubhouse. And what you, we are using clubhouse for is basically we're germinating ideas for podcasts. Yes. So they don't know that. Well, but they're that, germinating it for us. Yeah, pretty nice. much, yeah. <laughs> so so that – our big clubhouse group, they're essentially like our uh, – ex, we're experimenting different recipes on yeah, them. Yeah, see what resonates. <laughs> and sometimes it goes a totally different direction than what we thought. Which is great. It is great. It's fun, you know. Shows what they're thinking. About. So we are talking uh, today about 
the continuation, if you missed yesterday, this is a continuation of how to end the buyer agent abuse. Right. And so the gist of this is, is that I'll give you the punchline as fast as you can. Um, and I know this is self-serving and it'll make some of you guys feel nauseous, but here it is. As fast as you can, join Premier, our Premier Coaching Program, learn how to become a listing agent because the life as a buyer's agent is just going to get worse and not by a little, but by a whole ton. By the way, the one thing I didn't mention is not only are commissions dropping, but the number of agents getting into the business in some markets is going to go up by three to four. 400%. And when that happens, when all those new agents get their licenses, what are they going to be told to do? Start working with buyers. So not only are you going to have a hard time finding houses, not only are you going to have a hard time getting your commission, but now you're going to have even hard hard time finding buyers to work with you because of the number of people that are entering into the business. Guys, please, how much more clear can we tell you to learn how to become a listing agent? How do you learn how to become a listing agent? You join Premier Coaching. That's as straightforward as I possibly can tell you. And the best way for you to join Premier Coaching is just go to our website, timandjulieharris.com, and just sign up. It's simple. You know, it's a very affordable program. If you uh, use our partner lender, it's only $100 a month. You can self-pay. You can do all kinds of things. But go to timandjulieharris.com and check it out. If you want to learn more about our coaching program and you want to attend a webinar that we're doing, just text the word Harris to uh, 855-685-1045, text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to uh, 855-685-1045, and we're going to text you back a link, and you can sign up to join the uh, webinar that we're doing, where we're going to be interviewing 68 of our top-producing coaching clients, um, and you can basically choose your day and your time. So we're going to be doing this with somewhat intensity for the next month, and we're going to be doing quite a few of these, so make sure you text um, Harris to 855-685-1045, and when you do, we'll text you back. Um, a link, you go and choose your day and your time, and we're off to the races. But if you want to skip that and you want to just join our coaching program, the easiest way for you to do that is just go over to timandjulieharris.com and just sign up for the coaching program. You want to sign up for Premier Coaching because that's going to get you on the fast track of becoming a listing agent. That is the ultimate anecdote to the suffering and pain that buyer's (laughs) agents are just getting started feeling. Yes, okay, and this is kind of a bonus point. It was actually something that I heard from uh, one of our colleagues on Clubhouse, and that was a little mini discussion to have with your buyers that goes like this. In order to win, we have to play a specific game in today's market. There are rules that we have to play by in order to win. We're either going to win or we're going to learn as a result of this next offer. Okay, so after you talk about what it's going to take in your market, because it's not the same everywhere, but in your market, what it's going to actually take, you then, I thought this was a great reminder, you then give that buyer prospect permission to opt out of the game, especially if they can't hack the parameters. Instead of trying to get somebody, you know, to win when they keep losing after 20 offers because they can't meet or beat everybody else, you know, what are your options? They they can choose to wait. They can choose to do something else. And that's okay. That's better than you banging your head into the wall and ultimately losing them because you lose every deal. Well, you know what? We we, sh- we should never forget to remind these guys. Mm-hmm. And it is a basic rule. It's a Harris rule. There's no there, So you guys, if you have a choice between working with someone that wants to do a transaction and someone has to do a transaction, you, you know, has no choice. The, you, it's not bad, up to them. Bad things will happen if they're going to do a tra- – if they don't, you know, do a transaction. You want to work, obviously, with the second group, not the first group. And so here's the takeaway. There's no such thing and never will be a such thing as a buyer that has to buy a house. Never will be a buyer that has to buy a house. Uh, They will change their minds. They'll stay leasing. They'll stay living in their parents' basement. They're going to decide just not to sell because there's nothing for them to move up or down. You guys get the idea. There's no such thing as a buyer that has to buy. There will always be sellers that have to sell. 
There will always be sellers that say, Julie, I have to sell my house. I cannot afford it. I'm losing it in foreclosure. I've just gotten relocated. I'm buying a new house. I can't afford two houses. I inherited this house from my, you know, whoever, whoever. There are so many reasons why there'll always be sellers that have to sell. So if you want to know why you're frustrated and why you're beating your head against the wall, is how you guys often describe yourselves working with buyers, it's because you're working with people ultimately that are never that motivated because they can easily, just with a slight change of interest rates or a bad news in the store on the news or just anything, change their mind. Mind. They can change their emotions. They can change sure. their emotional state. They can disappear on you. They can, as they often do, or they can, you know, or you can focus all your best energies on working with sellers who have to sell the house. Yes. You do want, you want to spend all of your life, all of your professional time working with people that have to transact, not want to transact, and there'll never be a buyer that has to transact ever, ever, ever. So be clear about that. Yeah, not to mention that most of you don't even have a contract with them, unlike with the listing. Okay? But even if you did, even honestly, if you did, they still cares? don't have they to do They can just change their mind, right? Sure, they can just hang out. They can ghost you. Okay, so here's a big mistake. We're talking about ending the buyer agent abuse. Here's a mistake that is a little bit self-inflicted. We t- and I think this is, we, we probably will get to our other points tomorrow because this is a big one. Um, escalation clauses. Now, I often get the question, let's start with, what even is an escalation clause? It's basically saying that your client, it, that you know, you're, here's the offer, but we're willing to go higher. We're willing to escalate our terms uh, just to stay in the running. Now, here's the mistake. Let's say that you are representing the buyer. It's highly competitive. And you have the idea, because you've also seen other agents in your market do this, to say, all right, here's our deal. Our offer is this. But we will go above any bona fide competing offer by $500, by $1,000, $50,000, whatever you put in there, up to, because you want to put a cap, you don't want to sign them up for something that they can't handle, up to X. Here's why that's a mistake. Let's say that buyer agent B has exactly the same terms or at least something competitive, and they say, we'll go up to Y, and that's a dollar more than your offer. You don't even get counteroffered. You just get rejected because you've just shown your hand. We're willing to go up this high. And what do you think a smart listing agent's going to do? They're going to play you against each other and tell the other one you got to go this high. Okay, so instead, what you want to do is just the first part. We are willing to escalate our uh, price $1,000 over the highest bona fide, you know, provable offer without the cap because that forces the listing agent to then counter you with a price that you can say yay or nay to. You can counter it, you can accept it, you can walk away from it. That's a better position for you and your buyer than just throwing it out there and saying, maybe this will be high enough. How many deals are dead just because of that? So that's the escalation clause deal. All right, now, uh, number eight, as far as managing offers, we had a big discussion and we talked about it a little bit yesterday about actually reading the terms and the documents, agent to agent uh, comments in your MLS. And the example is this. Let's say that you figure that this is going to be super competitive. We can close in five days. We've got it together or we're all cash. We can close in five days. But the actual agent to agent comment says seller prefers a long closing or a lease back. You thought you were doing the right thing. So this is going back to the fact that smart listing agents, that you have to be putting in what your seller's desired terms are in the agent to agent comments. And then you buyer's agents, we talked about this yesterday, Jules, and buyer's agents stop complaining that the listing agents aren't calling you back. It's because they can't call you back with all the other calls they're getting from other buyer's agents. Stop playing the game that you're going to talk to the seller, the seller's agent, and somehow you're going to get the seller to, you know, seller's agent to give you all kinds of inside track information to get the house uh, for your buyer. 
just read the comments that they put in the MOS and the agent-to-agent -agent comments. Now, if you're a listing agent, make sure you do yourself a favor and do the market a favor. And if you know what the preferred terms are for your sellers, why don't you just go ahead and put them all out there? Yeah, and here's them, how you win. Here's how you win. And then on your MOS, or I'm sorry, in your voicemail and whatnot, actually say, uh, buyer's agents, please read agent-to-agent -agent comments if you're calling about any of our, any of our listings for sale. Uh, we've put, please read the agent to agent comments. And those agent to agent comments, uh, again, listing agents, should be essentially the crib notes, how to win the house, and buyer's agents, then that's all the information you have. Um, and and our, the first point we started out with yesterday, and I want to go back to reminding all of you of this, is you need to make be making sure if you really want to get your offers accepted that you are going above and beyond become the agent that those listing agents want to work with. And that means you have to be extra respectful, extra nice, extra professional in such a way that you're right. Clean contracts and listen to the points we rattled through yesterday because that really does matter because if you have a, a listing agent who's having to manage their life and their business and all the rest of it, and they're having to wade through 20 or 25 uh, contracts, I promise you they're looking for the contracts are the easiest ones for them just to toss out. Crappy filled out contract, you know, badly written something, uh, you know, all kinds of stupid things that you could have otherwise written the buyer's agents where you could have otherwise been a little bit more professional how you wrote the contract. But ultimately, if it comes down to two or three almost identical offers, the listing agent, when the seller asks them, which one should we negotiate, the listing agent's always going to prefer to work with the agent that they, frankly, know and respect. Yeah. It only makes sense. So if you're somebody that is a new agent in the business, you can go out of your way and get to know the top listing agents in your market. Just find out who they are through the MLS. Um, and if you're an existing um, listing agent and you are writing an offer on somebody else's listing, you also have an advantage because that uh, listing agent is going to know that you too list homes and that they the shoe might be on the other foot next week where they're going to want to basically have you pick their offer over all the others. So if you're on the buyer agent side and you're also a listing agent, don't be afraid to use that in your favor and remind that uh, seller or that listing agent rather on the house you're trying to win for your buyer that, hey, you know what? I'm a listing agent as well. And it could very well be you're calling me next week because you want to buy one of our, you know, represent your buyer in one of our listings. And I'll get definitely put you on the top of the heap um, when that time comes. Play whatever cards you're given. That's right. All right. So the next point is to be creative. Now, this means several different things. You can be creative with regards to financing. And one of the best examples of this I heard on Clubhouse yesterday morning, which was, I thought this was really crafty. Let's say that you keep on losing to cash offers and your buyer's got some cash, but not enough cash. So you then write, let's say the house is a million dollars to keep the math easy. Your buyer's got uh, 750000 but they can't make it to the top, right? So instead of going financing, which you're going to probably lose, the buyer comes in at 750 cash, but asks for a 250 second, or actually in this case would be a first mortgage from the seller and lets the seller make a little bit of interest on that. That's actually better to most sellers than just taking all cash. Depends on the seller's situation, but at least it's creative. Well, that's going to be, I think the, the other idea we came up, we talked to him about yesterday. On make the, up the appraisal. Is amount. make up the appraisal amount, right. So sure. the other iteration of that would be, and these big over amounts are something that some of you guys will never have to deal with. But in some of these markets, uh, you're going to have to go over by sometimes 50 grand. And let's say the buyer's tapped out. And let's say the house won't appraise for over 50 grand. The buyer's getting financing. 
So in that particular case, the buyers, you can write uh, an over asking offer, but then in the offer say that, say you have to go over uh, asking by 50 grand, you then have, and you write in the contract that the 50 grand over the asking price, or you guys get the gist of what we're saying, don't overanalyze what we're saying, just understand yeah. the overall play here. Then that 50 grand then becomes a, a second mortgage on the house that's secured by the by the, the mortgage itself. So in other words, it's a lien on the property that the seller then will have a, an interest in the property because they're a second mortgage holder. And you're going to have, as the, the buyer's then gonna have to pay a monthly payment on that second mortgage um, to the seller because they didn't have the cash to pay for the overage and you know win the house. Yeah, you but can the do seller likes it because you know they're getting the deal done and they're making some interest on it. And it's a real deal, which as you said, is actually documented as a lien on the house. Um, and, you know, it's pretty creative. So, and, there, and there's little risk to the seller in that yeah. example, because when the house were to go back for sale, then the if the, if the say, buyer never even made a second mortgage payment, right? So the and let's say the seller's out, you know, 50 grand, buyer never made a single payment on that 50 grand. When that house goes back for sale, that 50 That's grand is going to be- That's a real gonna, lien. That, yeah, it's a real lien. So that money's going to have to be paid off. And usually whatever unpaid interest is going to have to be paid off as well. So, um, and that what you're the reason that's not going to appeal to every seller for sure, but some sellers in some price ranges are going to say, you know what, if I can literally create uh, a, you know, $50,000 or $100,000 or $250,000 loan to me, which I'm just creating out of thin air, that the interest rate's going to be maybe it's a couple points over whatever the main mortgage amount is. If I can create that loan, um, I'm creating an asset, I'm creating equity, sure. I'm creating, I'm cre- increasing my net worth. Now, and then I start receiving monthly income, assuming the buyer makes the second mortgage payment. So some buyers in some, I'm sorry, some sellers in some price ranges are going to love that idea because you're essentially, you know, like I said, you're creating an asset for them. And um, that's a very creative thing to do on the really, really upper ends. That's right. And it's also a creative way to fix a deal. I see a lot of this happening where you've gotten your buyer into a situation where they're guaranteed the difference in the appraisal. They didn't really, they either didn't understand what that meant or you guys speculated and it came in with a larger amount than what they can actually handle, instead of killing the deal, offer this to happen where the seller has the private financing to cure it. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, this guy's this is pretty but, advanced kind of creative stuff though. Yeah. But here's what I, if I were listening to this and they're a new agent, I honestly, I'd feel fire host. This is a little overwhelming, but, but this goes back to our original point. So it used to be you'd become a buyer's agent. You get your license, you're a buyer's agent. Buyer's agents don't really have to know. I mean, let's be honest, your skill set is maybe a tenth of what it takes to be a listing agent in a normal market. Being a buyer's agent is mostly physical labor, opening doors, giving away your nights and weekends. And it's, uh, you know, it's basically a social experience. You know, you guys have this in common, that in common, it's, and everyone's well, having fun. And when there's inventory, it's pretty easy. You show five houses, one of them's awesome, they buy it. Yeah, exactly. And, the, you know, that sort of thing. But what's happened now, and so being a listing agent traditionally required a lot more skill. You have to compete. You have to pre-listing pack. You have to know how to price houses. You have to have a lot more high-level skills and a more professional approach to your real estate practice. But now what's happened, and this is the crazy thing that you guys, we warned you about. I'm sorry for saying we told you so, but we definitely did. Now what's happened is it actually requires not only more physical labor, but actually more skill to be on the buyer agent side to get your deals even accepted. Yes, more mental horsepower for it sure. It goes back to the premise of the podcast for the last two days. You know, the buyer agent abuse is just going to intensify and you are the ones, you buyer agents out there that refuse to become listing agents, you're the ones that are signing yourself up yep. for this perpetual abuse. Yes, and I'm going to leave with one point and then we'll probably uh, round this out tomorrow and then we'll start our new series on Friday. So here's the thing. 
I, on every Facebook Live, practically every podcast, I mention and strongly encourage another solution to this. Obviously, be the listing agent. That's what you want to prevail with. But meanwhile, those of you who keep on losing for whatever reason, okay, first of all, cure that based on our podcast. But why do you keep on relying on the MLS? You know, our last point was creativity. Maybe you looked at a 10-mile radius outside of the hot pocket in your neighborhood and you find stuff that's maybe a little bit more of a drive that sat on the market for a few days, okay? Remember, the average days on the market is very low, but it's not zero. There's yeah. houses that sit around. So here's the funny thing. Yeah. So listing, a, or I'm sorry, agents that swore that they never call expireds or for sale by owners <laughs> yeah. are now actually having to call expireds and for sale by owners because yeah. they have buyers that want to buy the houses. That's right. And the only choice they have is to go find their own inventory because it's not showing up in the MLS. That's right. Guys, this market's telling you to become a buyer or become a listing agent, isn't it? I mean, everything's pushing you in that direction. Now you're going to want to not waste time trying to figure it out on your own. Hire Julie and I and our coaching organizations and our 13 coaches to be your coaches to or to be your guides to learning how to be a listing agent. Take the agent. pain away from Take you. the pain. Why would you even putz around trying to figure it out yourself? We're going to teach you how to build a powerful, sustainable listing a listings-based real estate practice. And we told you how to do it. In case you have forgotten, just go to timandjulieharris.com and skip the middleman. Just sign up for Premier Coaching. It's right there. And if you want to talk to one of our new member coaches, you can also uh, you know, grab one of their schedules and sign up and have a conversation with them. But either way, in any event, there is no other quicker path for you to learn how to become a listing agent. There's nobody out there that specializes and does what Julie and I do. No one even close to us doing the you know the coaching and the training that's perfectly positioned for this market. So do the smart thing and stop the pain and the self-inflicted pain and suffering and become a listing agent. That's it. So get to work. We'll we'll see you guys tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.